As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Hey, welcome to Home Group. It's Thursday, and I'm here again with Maxime and Joel. It is good to be with you. And you, my friends, thank you for joining us. And Jesus is with us, guys. Amen. He said, if two or three of you are gathered, I'm there. Well, here's three of us, and our home group's with us. And Jesus is here. Jesus is there. And tonight we're talking about the Word of God in the book of Jude. It is so wonderful. Maxime, have you enjoyed it? I'm enjoying it. And the, the, uh, the first epistle of John, there are wonderful words. If, if we walk in light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus washes us. Wow. So this home group is the place where we are. Walking in the light. And we're having fellowship, and the blood of Jesus. Is cleansing us. Is cleansing us. Wow. Hey, man. That's beautiful. But, you know, I want to answer why do we have all these products on the set, because somebody asked. Because we're helping people that have been displaced due to all the events happening in our part of the world. You know, you see things on television where you are, we live here. And we are uniquely positioned to make a difference. And Joel, for all these years, I mean, I've held meetings, crusades, all over this part of the world. And because of that, we have relationships with pastors everywhere. And a lot of those pastors are right there where all these things are taking place. Plus, we're sending our own teams. And we are able to distribute all of these goods. And we really know how it's being distributed. We know who's doing it. And we're giving a whole box of goods that is filled with meals that are $3 a meal, $60 a box. You can give $3, you can give a whole box. Whatever you can do would be a blessing. And I don't have to beg you to give because you're obedient and you've been so generous. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a partner with our ministry. But when you give to this project, all of it goes right to the project. We promise you. And we're also providing with it a Bible because people need the Bible. The book of song, the book, a book called Repentance, because people need to get saved. And we're giving them the 91st Psalm because they need to be living in the protections and the promises of the 91st Psalm. And we're giving them real detailed information about how to join our online church. Friends, we have a really big online church. We have about 200,000 people. So that is a lot. I mean, that's as big as a city. But if you think about it, the, these people have been displaced. They lost, they, many of them have lost their church. They had to move somewhere else. They didn't know where to go to church. They're trying just to figure out what to do today. And so it's very good that we can give them information where they can find good Bible teaching because they're not finding answers in economics or society from their neighbor. The, all those people are as lost as, as they are. As they are. Um, it's wonderful to think they can get help from their friends and neighbors. You know, this they, they're looking for answers. Why is this happening to them? Yeah. And the Bible is very clear on many, many things. And I think it's very important they find a good Bible church they can go to. This week, Joel and I were in a meeting with our top team, and we were looking at statistics, especially about viewership and where people are watching. It's really interesting that our viewership in Europe has just skyrocketed. You know why? Because millions of people have fled to Europe. It's our people. It is our people, and they've gone to Europe. But because we're online, it doesn't matter whether they're where they were or whether where they are now, they know where to go to be fed. Another thing about spiritually. These, another thing about these people who have been displaced, which is tragic, is if they watch the news or read information, it's not uplifting. It just 
takes you down further, further, further. Where is there good news? But the Bible is good news, and they need to go to a church. It's so very important where the Bible is taught, where Jesus is preached. I think it's essential, especially when people are in tragedy. And that's what we have in our online church. So we're providing physical food, physical relief, and letting people know here we are. And a lot of people are getting saved. A lot of people that we're meeting, they don't even have a Bible. They've never even read a Bible. Mm -hmm. We're leading them to the Lord. We're laying hands on them. It's powerful. Amen, Maxine. Amen, amen. I have a question for you. Sure, Joel. So I see you have Last Day Survival Guide, which is a wonderful book. Thank you. But also, before you wrote that book, I think, you wrote Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. Yes, I did. And that book was pretty prophetic. It, you know, I had no idea how prophetic it was. It came out before the coronavirus started. It did. It did. And I vividly described what was going to happen through the coronavirus. I think it came out two years before the coronavirus started. I mean, maybe, maybe three. And I have a question for you. Sure. And you describe many things in that book. Signs we'll see just before Jesus comes. That's the name of the book, and that's really what it's about. What do you see coming? What do I see coming? I see everything in Matthew 24. And we're going to have more pandemics. There's going to be more pandemics. When you read Matthew 24, when you read Luke chapter 21, these words are used plural. It's not one-time events. It's going to be multiple events. There's going to be many signs, and we're going to see one sign in today's home group. Mm -hmm. So let's get started. Okay. But first, we're offering you the series Mockers in the Last Days. We're not trying to give you bad news. Jude is the one who wrote this. It's in the Bible. We need to know what the Bible says. It's part three to the book of Jude, and it comes with a study guide. And my friends, the study guide is free. This week, all you have to do is go online, renner.org, to get it. It is loaded. And if you've never downloaded one of my study guides, I think you will be quite stunned when you see these study guides. They are amazing. You know one reason I began to write these? When I grew up in the Baptist church, and I'm so glad I did, we had quarterlies, we had Sunday school lessons. The charismatic movement doesn't have any of that. They just don't have it. They don't have a study guide to follow to study the Word of God. And I begin to feel the need. We need to provide something to help people learn the Bible. And that's why I begin to do these study guides. So it's free. Please go get yours. And Joel mentioned my book called... Last Day's Survival Guide. This is a great book. And there's a reason why it's boots in a Bible. Because this is a stomping period. We're stomping through the last days. And this book is a survival guide. It is so practical. And you know, Joe, this book has now been out for a couple years. It is still a best-selling book because people are just looking for information about how to navigate the turbulent waters that we're living in. And that's why I wrote this book. So if you don't have yours, please get yours. And remember to order a second one because you're one going to give this as a gift to somebody else. And when you reach out to our ministry, you won't get away without being prayed for because we really are praying people. We have a whole department of our ministry filled. In fact, it's the biggest department of our ministry that prays with people. We're really serious about it. We'll be confidential. We'll pray with faith and God will move in your life. He will. But let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's where we ended yesterday. And I've told you that Jude had received the second epistle of Peter. Now Jude is writing his epistle. It's like he's got Jude's letter right there by his side. He's reading it. 
and he's writing a commentary on it, and that's what we call the Epistle of Jude. He's really commenting on what he just read in 2 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3. And in the book of Jude, he says, In the end of the age, there will be mockers that will appear in the last time. So let's go over to Peter and see what Peter had to say about this. And when you come to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, Peter writes, now listen to this, the words are almost the same as in the book of Jude. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own flesh. The Greek says, this first knowing. You must know this as a matter of first priority. So this is very, very important for us to know. Here's one of the signs, Joel, you're talking about that you're going to see at the very end of the age, knowing this first, that, the word that, the Greek word hoti, the same word that Jude then uses, points to a specific inclusion. You need to know exactly this. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to know. There shall come, there shall come, in Greek in the, is a future tense, but it depicts a loosing, something that's going to be loosed in the age, at the end of the age, scoffers walking after their own flesh. He says it's going to happen in the last days. And we saw yesterday that the word last, the Greek word eschatos, points to the ultimate, ultimate end of a thing. Now let me take a moment just to make sure you understand the word eschatos. For example, you would use the word eschatos to describe the last of 12 months, the very last. Or if you're describing a month, the last day of the month, or if you're describing a week, it would be the last day of the week, the very, very, very end of a thing. And in fact, it was used to describe the furthest ends of the earth. If you went here, there was nowhere else to go. It was, it was the end, something final. It was used in a navigational sense to describe ships that had sailed to the last port. So if you've come to this port, there's, there's nowhere else to go on the journey. You're at the end. That's the word that is used here. And both Peter and Jude use it. So they're describing not what's happening just in their time, but what's going to happen at the very, very end of time. And it goes on, and Peter says, in the last days. In Greek, it is plural. In, the whole phrase together means in the end of days. Well, we're living in the end of days. Now, that doesn't mean the earth is going to end. We're living in the end of this particular age. This particular age is about to be wrapped up. It's going to be wrapped up whenever the rapture of the church takes place. But he says there will come scoffers. And the Greek literally says, Maxim, look at these Greek words. I wrote them out for you. It says scoffing scoffers. So this is not one that just scoffs occasionally. These are scoffing scoffers. It's a way of life. A mocker or a scoffer. One that is, as a way of life, making fun of, making fun of who? Making fun of those who believe that it is the last times, that Jesus is coming. They say, ah, and talking about this rapture forever. Well, when people begin to mock those who believe in the rapture, that's one of the signs that you're at the end of the age. And interesting, it says, walking according to their own lust. The word walking, the word pereomai, which means to make a transitional journey, which means these are the very folks who used to also believe in the rapture. They once believed it. But now they've transitioned. They've left that. Now they've moved on. They say, ah, we've moved on. We don't believe that anymore. And what are they saying? Verse 4, and saying, 
their group could let them tell you, saying and saying and saying, constantly alleging, they're ridiculing, they're making fun, scoffing, scoffers, saying, where? The word where, the Greek word po, exactly where? Come on, guys, give me a break. Where is the promise of his coming? The word coming, the Greek word parousia, where is this big coming you've been talking about forever? And then in verse 8, Peter then continues, and this is where we stopped yesterday. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Be not ignorant means emphatically do not let this be hidden from your sight. Do not let this be concealed from you. Keep this in front of you and never forget it. That's really what it means. Be not ignorant of this one thing. And then when you get to verse 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Maxime, the word slack is the word? Braduno. Braduno. Well, what does it mean, Maxime? Well, uh, one of the meanings is to be retarded. It means to be retarded or to be slow. It's the very word used to describe a speech impediment, someone who's slow. They just can't quite seem to get it out. And here it carries the idea of being tardy or slow or delayed or late. But Peter uses it to say Jesus is not tardy. He is not slow. He's not delayed. He is not late as some men count slackness. Slackness of form of the Greek word hikeomai, which means as men reckon it or they're, they're thinking, they're figuring it to be slackness. But he's long-suffering. And the word long-suffering, the Greek word macrothumia. Maxime, you've been studying Greek. What does macrothumia mean? Macros means something long, very long. And thumio, it can mean a passion or what's the word? Vital, vital, vitality? Yeah, it can. It can mean that. So you're able to carry on for a long time. I say better translation would be he has forbearance. Could be translated as patience. I think the best example is a candle with a really long wick. It burns a long, long time as it patiently waits for an event or a result. Thank God he has forbearance with each one of us. If he didn't have forbearance, he would say, I have just run out of patience with them. I'm done with it. But he has forbearance with us. He's believing the best for us. And here, Peter says the reason he hasn't come yet is because he has long-suffering to us, word and he's not willing that any should perish. The word perish, the Greek word apolumi, which means total destruction, but he's waiting for all men to come to repentance. That's what he really wants. And the word repentance, the Greek word metanoia, which means to really repent and to come to faith. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to repent because everybody's not going to repent. We already know that. But the moment that last person repents, that God knows is going to repent, bam, the rapture of the church is going to take place. We're out of here. You say, well, what's stopping the rapture of the church right now? That. That's the only thing. You say, well, we're waiting for the temple to be rebuilt. That will, be, that will happen during the Great Tribulation. Well, we're waiting during the Mark of the Beast. That's going to happen in the Great Tribulation. Everything is done. Israel is a state again. Everything, the Great Falling Away, we're right in the middle of it all over the world. 
There's been a mutinous attitude toward God all over the world. Lawlessness is reigning supreme. There's only one thing we're waiting for, the last person to repent. Joel? I think it's better to expect the Lord to return sooner than later because that's a good way to live. It's a good way to live your life if you expect the Lord coming at any moment rather than, oh, he'll come back sometime. I can, I can figure it out later. Yes, that's right. It's better to live with that understanding, with that conscience that Jesus is coming back. Whenever I was, when, I was, when we lived in Riga, uh -huh. we had this window that looked up to the sky and, and I would just sit there at that table and look at the sky and I would think at any moment the sky is going to part. Did you really think that? Uh, many times. I would just sit there and I was like, it could happen right now. And as a, as a child, I was, uh, I was probably nine, seven, nine years old. And I think that's a good way to live. I think we should look out the window of our, of our car and say, it could happen right now. Well, it sure affects the way you live if you think like that. Yeah, it's a good way to think. And I would think because it says the trump of a, you know, the trump, a, of God. A, a trump of God would be a big noise. And I would be like, it could happen right now. I wonder what that sounds like. Amen. I like but that's a good way to live. It's Mac a lot better than saying, oh, it'll happen after I'm gone. Uh, I, I don't need to worry about it. I mean, that's, that's, it's better to expect him. Maxine? Yeah, what I was thinking when you were saying that uh, Jude was using Second uh, Peter to yeah. write his right. epistle, it gives me great hope. It means that preachers can use each other's messages, and there's no such thing as uh, plagiarism. Well, there is, but... We all learn from somebody else. Yeah. If God gave it to somebody, it's, it was the Lord who gave it. And also think about the humility of Jude, because he's reading somebody else's material. And Peter's Greek was much worse. And Peter's Greek was not the best. And Jude could have said, I'm not learning from anybody else. Jesus was my half-brother. Yeah, he, yeah <laughs> Peter's just a fisherman. He's, he's just, just a fisherman. But he, yeah, had yeah. A, he had a heart to learn. You know, I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite people in the world is Kenneth Copeland. I love Brother Copeland. And every once in a while, my phone will ring, and it will be Brother Copeland. He'll say, Rick, I've been watching your program today. I didn't know. And he'll begin quoting something, and I'm always so amazed because Brother Copeland has such a heart to learn. He's watching. He's learning. It encourages me. I want to be like him. And here we find Jude is reading what Peter had to say. These really notable men of God had open hearts to learn from somebody else. But when you go back to the book of Jude, you find out again how much he was quoting Peter. Let's go back to Jude, verse 17. I'm going to read to you the RIV. But beloved, I call you that because it's the only word I know how to express how deeply I love and cherish you. Always remember, never forget, and continually call to remembrance the words which were spoken earlier and prophetically by the apostles and personal representatives of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, and here it is. He's quoting Peter. How they told you there would be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. He's quoting Peter. That's just amazing to me. Again, verse 18, he says the, the RIV of verse 18 would be like this. Okay, guys, ready for the RIV? You haven't heard this one yet. We are. How they were constantly saying then to the very end of days, when time has sailed to its last port and no more time remains for the journey, in that season there will be mockers, scoffers, and false teachers who will ridicule and make fun of those who believe it's the last times. 
I'm talking about individuals who have left the path they once walked on and have gone in a new direction and contrary to the life they once lived. Now they're bent on following after their own irreverent cravings and desires that are disapproved of and unsanctioned by God. Well, you know what? There's a lot of folks today who are laughing at the rest of us who believe in the rapture. Yeah. But 20 years ago, they were preaching the rapture. They've, they've, they've gone on. They've, they say, well, we've moved on. Well, that's a sign of the last days. And then when you come to verse 19, Jude makes this amazing statement in the King James Version. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Separate themselves is a compound of two words, the word apo and the word haridzo. The preposition apo means a way and carries the idea of a separation. The word haridzo means to mark off, to set boundaries, to disjoin, to divide, or to set limits, but as a compound word, it means to disjoin, to divide, and pictures separation. In other words, these people have a sense of elitism, and they say, are you ready for this? We're not a part of that crowd anymore. That's who we used to be. They separate themselves. And the truth is, people who once walked in faith, people who once firmly taught these things, but have moved on and left it behind, they really do have a sense of elitism. They leave a life of faith. They become cynical. They really do. They become scoffers. Ah, we don't believe that stuff anymore. They separate themselves. They disjoin themselves. And the Bible says they are sensual. And the word sensual, the Greek word sukikas, which means soulish or belonging to the soulish realm. They view themselves as spiritual, but in fact, they're, they're, it's not spirituality, it's soulish. And many people mistake soulish activity for spiritual activity. You can see this. Uh, the RIV of verse 19 would be like this. These people draw away from others as if they are spiritually elite. They put themselves in a different category from everyone else, and they cause divisions. These are obviously not spiritual people, but solely function in a soulish realm, and they absolutely do not possess the spirit. Now, Jude said some other things. For example, he said, I'm talking about a certain category of individuals who have clandestinely, almost like a stealth operation, craftily wormed their way right into the middle of our ranks. Then later, he added, I'm talking about people who were once reverent and God-fearing, but now they've obviously lost their fear of God. Then in another verse, he added, these are individuals who go about altering, changing, and modifying the grace of our God into a teaching that says everything is okay. Then, he added, they knowingly are denying and walking away from the authoritative covering of the Lord. Then he added, these dreamers have shockingly convinced themselves that what they do and condone is all right. Then he added, they go about defiling the flesh and show total disregard for those with authority. Then he added, out of a complete disdain for spiritual authority, they derogatorily speak nasty, debasing, shameful, ugly words to those who are in authority. Then he added, the kind of people I'm talking to you about right now speak atrociously and inappropriately, even about things they absolutely do not comprehend or even have a clue about. Then he remarkably added, 
They know and operate from a natural low-level instinct and are a lot like animals that lack intelligence. Then he added, their standing in life is degenerate, depraved, and totally messed up. Then he added, they have abandoned what they once held to be true to follow after the same path of Cain. Then he added, for the sake of financial gain, they've given themselves fully to error and have lost their bearings are now completely morally adrift. Then he added, their mutinous, rebellious, subversive attitudes and speech is a lot like those that marked Korah. Then he added, these people are right there in your midst, sumptuously feasting at your love feast with no fear. Then he added, such people are like dangerous reefs in the sea with potential to produce spiritual shipwreck in people's lives. Then he added, they are among you self-focused, tending to their own needs and taking care of themselves. Then he added, they're like clouds that fill the sky and look like they carry water, but contrary to the image they give to others about themselves, they're as dry as the desert and completely void of water. Then he added, they're like turbulent winds that bring a lot of destruction. Then he added, they have no fruit to show for themselves. Then he added, these people are spiritually decayed, withered like a plant that's been ripped from its roots from the soil. Then he added, these people I'm describing are uncontrollable, unpredictable, like raging waves that are constantly rising and falling, always on the move. Then he added, just as waves in the sea churn up a lot of foam and drag up junk from the bottom of the sea, these folks stir up trouble, spit up spiritual vomit, spiritually froth back and forth and produce a mess out of their lives. Then he added, like stars that have lost their orbit and veered off track, they've moved out of their God-appointed orbit and now roam about and wander about. Mess. Those are just little snippets of what he has said in the book of Jude. Wow. We're talking about mockers in the last days. Well, we're living at the end of the age. We've come to the last port. There's no more port to sail to. So we're going to see some of these things. I'm not trying to scare anybody. We just need to be alerted. God's never in the business of scaring. He's always in the business of preparing. But we're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you. Love you so much. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.